Chapter Four, Part One of Forty Thousand Miles Over Land and Water. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Betty B. Forty Thousand Miles Over Land and Water by Ethel Gwendolyn Vincent. The American Lakes and the Centers of Learning, Fashion, and Government thursday july thirty first up at six a m this morning to catch the steamer however early we rise for these matutinal starts there is always a rush in the end to catch the train or boat it is a depressing thought when we think of what frequent occurrence they will be for the next few months we were soon plying our way over the placid bosom of lake champlain holding a central course the shores on either side are flat and ugly for the beauty of the lake lies in the broad expanse of unruffled waters reflecting the various changes of the sky generally of a heavenly blue but on this morning taking the leaden hue of the low-lying clouds numberless islands lay dotted on the calm surface kept fresh and green from the continued lapping of the waters around their indented shores the range of the green mountains of vermont lay hidden by a transparent haze the sun shining brightly behind and presently piercing through rising to gladden the gloomy morning after crossing the broad bay and touching at a further point in the eastern shore at burlington a thriving town the waters narrowed and flowed on the one side through flat green meadows pretty though uninteresting but on the other rose in the full beauty of their verdant summer foliage the mountains of the adirondacks the steamer threaded its way through the narrow channels and we lay right under their mighty shadows looking into the calm depths of the quiet pools formed by the boulders of rock that in the course of ages have loosened their hold and slipped down the precipitous sides we looked up into dark ravines piercing through the heart of the mountains dividing one rounded peak from another we followed the undulating outline of the mountains now bare and stony or more often fringed to the summit with pine forests the dark green of these pines and the bright foliage of the stunted oaks formed a brilliant contrast to the orange lichen covering the gray protruding boulders here and there we came upon a wall of rocks descending in a sheer precipice to the lake reflecting purple shadows on the still water and so we passed on one scene of beauty succeeding another till we reached fort ticonderoga it was here during the revolutionary war that the brave ethan allen with his celebrated band of green mountain boys surprised the british commander in the dead of night and appearing at his bedside demanded the immediate surrender of the fort in whose name demanded de la place in the name of the great jehovah and the continental congress replied allen and the fort was surrendered an hour by rail brought us to the head of lake george the indians gave it the poetical name of horicon or silvery waters from the great purity of the water its peaceful shores have been the scene of many a bloody battle in the great conflict between the indian and the white man and the mountains have oft resounded to the war-whoop and battle-cry of the savages and the despairing shriek of the captives whom they scalped alive now a death-like stillness broods over the scene the scenery of lake george is far grander than that of champlain the other only leads up to and forms a preparation for this one 
The mountains, which surround Lake George and close it in on all sides, have a bolder, more sweeping outline. Here and there one projects lone and solitary, forming a promontory round which the steamer creeps, seeming to cling to its densely wooded sides. The dark, whispering pine forests grow down to the very edge of the waters, mingling their sighings with the rustling of the waters over a shallow bottom. There are numberless islands, some mere strips of sandy beach and rocks, dividing the silvery rapids on either side, and others are wooded with a stunted undergrowth. We noticed one curious, conical-shaped mountain, formed of a sharp escarpment of rock from the summit to the base, which is called Rogers Slide. The story goes that an Englishman, Major Rogers, being hotly pursued by the Indians to the edge of the cliffs, suddenly bethought himself of reversing his snowshoes and retracing his steps by this means, leaving no footprints. The Indians tracked him to the brink of the precipice and then concluded he had slid down into the lake under the protection of the great spirit. As the steamer turned into the narrows, we saw a beautiful little waterfall falling down the ravine in a feathery shower of spray, spanned in the afternoon light by a vivid rainbow. At Sabbath day point, the scenery is more striking and majestic. Think of the Trosachs in the highlands, and that will give the best idea of the grandeur of the scene before us. Adding to the beauty of all we saw that afternoon was the ceaseless play of light and shadow on the mountains. I tried to carry away with me in the mind's eye the picture of those mountains, dark and powerful, as a background, the quiet beauty and the picturesqueness along the banks as a foreground, and the deep calm blue waters of the lake all around. Alas, a sudden storm came up and obscured the view before us, and we ended our journey at Fort William in a blinding hurricane of rain and wind. We were glad to find shelter from it in the train, which brought us to Saratoga Springs by the evening. Friday, August 1st. Saratoga is the Ems or Baden-Baden of America, the most fashionable resort as a watering place, only equaled by the more select charms of Newport. Seen on a sunny morning such as we had, nothing can surpass the brightness and gaiety of the scene in Broadway. Along its broad, shady avenues stroll the collected beauty and fashion gathered at Saratoga, and light crossbar wagons and buggies bowl swiftly by. There are no villas, but life is confined entirely to pensions and the three colossal hotels in Broadway. The United States is perhaps the finest of them. It covers seven acres of ground, accommodates 1,200 guests, and gives employment to 150 black waiters. Built round three sides of a quadrangle, there are broad covered piazzas running the entire length of the building, opening onto a large and beautifully kept garden, gay with flowers. Morning and evening the band plays here. When the piazza becomes a fashionable promenade, visitors from all the other hotels congregating in it. American women are the best dressers in the world for taste and skillful combination, particularly in pale colors. They are unsurpassed. A change of costume thrice daily is absolutely de rigueur at Saratoga, and it becomes at last quite exciting to see how many more varied dresses are going to appear. Illustrating a great feature in American life 
is the wing devoted to the cottages where families come and live during the season in separate suites everything being provided by the hotel a good example of the attendance which is expected you will require can be gathered from the notice in each room ring once for the bellman twice for stationery and three times for ice water the chambermaid plays a very unimportant part in any hotel and a bellman is attached to each floor the consumption of iced water is prodigious not only is it placed at your elbow at every meal but large jugs of it are brought at stated hours of the day to every room at the united states it was quite formidable walking the immense length of the dining room or venturing across the vast spaces of the yellow satin-lined drawing-room the lift has been known to go up and down three hundred times in the course of the afternoon amid the shady groves and green lawns of congress park we found the mineral springs bubbling up into artificial wells with a few drinkers idling about and languidly sipping their waters but we came to the conclusion that visitors were not here so much for the purposes of health as of amusement the springs are of all kinds vichy sulphur iron magnesia soda etc and it has often been necessary to bore down several hundred feet before finding the water two or three of the most powerful medicinal springs are some miles away and these are bottled and brought in fresh daily for the drinkers in town the fashionable afternoon drive is to the lake some two miles away and is reached by a straight dusty road bordered for the most part by rushes and long grass where the frogs maintain a cheerful chorus of chirping when you arrive there you find a primitive cafe with groups sitting about the tables under the trees and the lake pretty enough lying in the hollow with small excursion steamers constantly plying from the landing in the evening there is generally a hop or dance advertised in one or other of the hotels but i confess that that evening we preferred the good-humored crowd and the fireworks in congress park to the hop at congress hall hotel alternating with the fireworks were the strains of the band wafted from the pagoda in the center of the lake and all sat about heedless of the heavy dew lying on the grass we were very sorry to leave saratoga the next morning and undergo a very hot and dusty journey to boston we passed pittsburgh as famed for its great ladies college as its southern namesake is for its ironworks and late in the afternoon reached boston massachusetts a red and yellow coach suspended by straps to sea springs such as were used in the last century conveyed us to the hotel vendome i think boston the most charming of all the american towns the broad sweeping avenues are bordered by houses of red sandstone a soft mellow color that contrasts well with the green avenues of trees and grass borders commonwealth avenue is the finest of these continuous parks and is a mile and a half long the common with its avenues of fine elm trees forms a large open space in the middle of the town and separated only by a road are the public gardens a bronze statue of washington rises in the middle surrounded by a brilliant flower bed the colors blending in carpet gardening to form a moorish inscription which translated means god is all-powerful a very fitting motto for the great hero the gilded dome of the massachusetts state house 
dominates them from the eminence of Beacon Hill. But far more interesting than this new erection is the venerable, time-worn building of the old State House, where some of the most stirring scenes of the Revolution were enacted. From this balcony, the Declaration of Independence was read to the people. Our troops occupied the buildings during the Stamp Riots, but at the close of the war, Washington stood on its steps, the chosen hero of the exultant populace. So many of the buildings are closely associated with humiliating remembrances of that fatal epoch in British history, when these fair provinces, owing to the lack of foresight and imbecility of her leaders, were forever lost to England. There is the old Scotch church, so famous as the political meeting place of the Boston Tea Party, Tancred Hall, the cradle of liberty, nurtured by the patriotic orations of Adams, Everett, and above all of Daniel Webster, the harbor with its numerous shipping, where was lighted the first straw of that great conflagration of the rebellion by the throwing overboard of those few chests of tea. The city is rich in churches, there being no less than 150 belonging to all denominations who raise their spires heavenwards within its precincts. But Trinity Church surpasses all in beauty and design. It is built of granite and freestone in the form of a Latin cross in Romanesque style. The stained glass is rich in harmonious coloring, depicting no subject, but blending into a mystery of blue, orange, and purple. Some lancet windows filled with iridescent glass of pale blue gave the appearance of shining steel. We started early on that quiet Sunday morning for a drive to Cambridge in one of the Herdic Hansoms. These curious vehicles with their jolting motion can only be described as a covered two-wheel cart. We pass the green hill on which stands Bunker's Hill Monument. It is inexpressibly grand in its massive simplicity, being only huge blocks of granite, narrowing in such imperceptible proportion to the summit that the pyramidal ending seems in perfect accord with the broad base. No railing surrounds it. There is no decoration or inscription. It stands alone in its majesty, sufficiently raised to be a landmark to the whole town. Our road led through Charlestown, where the seafaring population chiefly live close to the harbor. A long, straight, dusty road under a blazing sun for three miles brought us to Cambridge, the immediate approach to which is through stately avenues of elm trees. The colleges of Harvard University are clustered together, forming an irregular quadrangle. There was a delightfully quiet and studious look about the dull red brick buildings, low latticed windows, and ivy-covered walls, a look of antiquity unusual to America. In this comparatively newly risen continent, so much is thought of age, that Harvard College, the oldest of the fifteen of which the university consists, is prized most highly for its foundation dating from 1636. Chief amongst the colleges for beauty is the Gothic Tower of Memorial Hall, erected by the alumni in memory of the students who perished in the War of Secession. It contains the great dining hall with carved screens and galleries, busts and portraits of the founders of the college, and has stained glass windows bearing the college and state arms. A theater, library, museum, scientific school, and chapel 
are in different parts of the irregularly laid out square which is sacred to the university buildings it was vacation time and the place was utterly deserted save by a few straggling churchgoers their footsteps resounding on the narrow paved walk and lingering amongst the tenantless walls it must be a different scene in term when thirteen hundred students and forty-seven professors gather under the classic shades of a university already numbering among its former students such men as john adams the second president of the united states edward everett ralph waldo emerson oliver wendell holmes john lathrop motley j russell lowell and wendell phillips the university course extends over four years it may be interesting to know in face of the recent agitation at our own universities on the subject that women are not as yet admitted to the university lectures though allowed to matriculate and pass the different examinations quite near the university is a battered elm tree whose shattered branches are sustained by iron stanchions and which marks the place where general washington took command of the rebellious colonists further on we passed a plain square wooden house with pointed roof and a small garden surrounded by a high laurel hedge a gravel path and little white gate leading to the veranda and entrance there was nothing particular to mark a house homely enough in its exterior but yet it was here that in seventeen seventy five washington established his headquarters when it was the scene of many warlike preparations and much enthusiasm later it has been hallowed by the quiet presence of the great poet longfellow the old house by the lindens stood silent in the shade and on the graveled pathway the light and shadow played and it was in this quiet retreat that he passed away in eighteen eighty two we followed the winding road almost an avenue of willow trees to mount auburn cemetery and with great difficulty found his last resting place we were terribly disillusioned not a garden of flowers tended by loving hands not a simple marble monument with short inscription prompted by a knowledge of the gentle retiring nature but we found a great ugly block of sandstone a huge sarcophagus with a name and date on one side and an ingenious pattern on the other taking x as a center letter and forming a senseless device and utterly inappropriate to the memory of the great poet no more beautiful garden than this cemetery could be conceived grassy slopes planted with waving palms and the choicest plants bright flower beds interspersed among the white marble crosses and memorials of the dead an air of quiet beauty and repose mingling with the many signs of respectful care on the different graves such as bunches of newly cut flowers those who have served their country had a miniature flag of the stars and stripes waving over their heads the mortuary chapel stands on the high ground and opposite to it there is a magnificent marble sphinx with this soul-stirring inscription american union preserved african slavery destroyed by the uprising of a great people by the blood of fallen heroes throughout the length and breadth of america this intense respect to the dead may be seen in regard to their last resting place in strange contrast is the irreverence shown in the removal of bodies several times we saw coffins traveling at first-class fares placed in the luggage vans 
piled under saratoga trunks and with the party of mourners in the same train in returning from the cemetery we passed mr russell lowell's country house standing in grounds fairly hidden by surrounding trees boston is the great literary and scientific center of america the saying goes that at boston they ask you what you know in new york what you have and at philadelphia who you are fostered by its close neighborhood to harvard boston boasts more literary institutions than any other town in america whether in its remarkably fine public library its athenaeum which corresponds to our royal institution its two museums or the english high and latin school the first public school in the states one of the celebrated steamers of the fall river line took us that evening to newport what fascination the word exercises over the aristocracy of america filled throughout the summer months with society select and fashionable hospitable to foreigners but difficult of access to newcomers and closed to those who do not belong to the upper circle of finance the gay butterfly life is carried on in cottages or villas as we should call them small houses unattractive outside standing in gardens adjoining the road too public and suburban for english taste so also is the life entirely without privacy morning calls are customary and beginning society thus early does not prevent its being carried on at high pressure for the remainder of the day there is a well-known and accommodating frenchman who undertakes not only to supply a cottage but all the elaborate necessaries servants linen plate etc for a stay at newport the ocean drive and bellevue avenue are daily crowded with joyous equipages and neat phaetons driven by their fair owners and equestrians the toilets are very elaborate and of unceasing variety the cost must be enormous seeing that prices are double if not treble those of london and paris the profusion of lace and jewels is unending but a feeling is gaining ground that elaborate costumes and diamonds are a little out of place in the morning a colored maid observed to her mistress in response to a rebuke that she had been accustomed to live with people of quality pressed as to what she understood by people of quality she promptly replied they were those who dressed simply and wore no jewels by day we had wretched weather a sea fog which penetrated everything and succeeded in damping even the bright life of newport polo and yachting are very favorite amusements here a dance was given at the casino in the evening in honor of the yachts which managed to come round in the course of the day from new brighton despite the thick fog and to which we went these casino dances take place two nights in the week the entry is only by payment no vouchers are required and yet i believe they are as the newportians say quite select this fact may be cited as a proof that no one not in the set attempts life at newport the latter place and its inhabitants look down with ineffable scorn and covert sneer at the rival watering place of saratoga a tempest of wind and rain added to the discomforts of the ocean house let no one be deceived by advertisements and a printed list of guests in daily papers into thinking it a palatial abode caused us to abandon all idea of staying and leaving numerous letters of introduction unpresented we packed up 
and made the best of our way back to New York by a morning train. End of chapter 4, part 1